Hi there, precious friends. How's your love life? What is love anyway? God wants us to know, and He wants to be able to evaluate our love alongside His love. He gives us a lot of information in His Word for us to use. So get your Bibles and let's talk about it. Corinthian church was a young church, probably only about five years old, and there were splits and quarrels in the church, and there were errors in their doctrine, there were errors in their behavior, and there was immorality and marriage and Christian liberty and the Lord's table and spiritual gifts and money and the resurrection. They were confused about so many of those things. And even though when they were not confused, they had been sucked into the culture that was around them and operated in some of those areas out of old habits, even though they were now believers. And we saw in our last lesson that Paul called them saints. So they were believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. They had been set aside by their salvation to be holy. Christ had given them his holiness, his righteousness. And so Paul basically starts out by saying to them, you, this is who you are, now live like it. So he's correcting some of these errors. Now remember, they did not have a New Testament. You and I can go to the Bible and get instruction. They didn't have that. All they had was what the Holy Spirit would remind them of and what Paul had taught them when he established the church there. And so none of this has been written yet. So they're learning. So we can't do too much finger pointing because we are a lot like the Corinthians. So some had contacted the Apostle Paul with questions. They needed answers. They needed more explanations. And so he wrote them a letter. We call that letter 1 Corinthians. So you can turn there in your Bibles. Now, apparently Paul felt that their primary problem was quarreling because that's where he begins in the letter. And he began by reminding them that they are in Christ. They're saints. They're not saints because of what they were done, had done, and certainly not because of the way they were behaving, but because what Christ had done in them. When Christ comes into us, then we become what the Bible clearly says are saints. We're saints on the authority of Jesus. So Paul reminded them of who they are, and he says, now act like it. So he spends a lot of time then how to, telling them how to change their behavior. He worked up to chapter 13, and we know that chapter is the great love chapter. And in this chapter, Paul tells us what love is and how it behaves. So let's ask the question, what is love? What is love? Most Christians would probably respond with God is love, or you would get all kinds of different answers if you just went down the street saying, what do you think love is? Well, what, what does it mean that God is love? The American Heritage Dictionary defines love as an intense affection for another person based on familial or personal ties or on an affection based on regard, shared experiences, or interests. 
an intense attraction based on sexual desire. God's benevolence toward men and man's devotion toward God and the feelings of benevolence and kindness toward others to like or desire enthusiastically as in loving to swim. So there's the dictionary definition. Now, it's a bit sad that our English language requires us to use the same word for God's love that we use for loving to swim. The Greek language is a rich, rich language. And in our English language, usually when we use the word love, we're associating it with feelings, with some kinds of emotions. But Greek is the original language of most of the New Testament. And I believe God did that because it is such a rich language. The Greek language has four basic words. Four different meanings, which are all translated into English by one word, love. So the Greek language, in their words, in their vocabulary, define love. And we just say love. So to understand what the scripture is saying, we have to dig a little bit and uh, do some Greek study guides and use some dictionaries to understand what scripture is really saying here. Now, the word used here in 1 Corinthians 13 for love is the Greek word agape. Now, let me tell you this up front. I am no Greek scholar. I don't know Greek. I wish I did. But I know how to use the dictionaries and the word study guides that help you get to the word that's in the original language and see what it really means. So a lot of the pronunciations I use probably are not right. They're pronunciations that I've figured out for myself and I stand ready to be corrected by any of you who may be Greek scholars or Greek students. But the word is agape for love here in this chapter and it's from the verb, the verb form of that is agapao. It is a distinctive biblical word that takes us way beyond our English sentimental idea of love. Agape love is not romantic love. It's not sentimental love. It's not physical love. And there are Greek words for all of those. There's the Greek word eros. That's the kind of love that we associate with sexual attraction. Uh, it is described as passion-seeking satisfaction, eros. But we translate that into English as love. It can be described as the kind of love that takes. So, so many times in Eros love, you want to get something. You want to receive something. And that word Eros is not found in the New Testament. Then there's the word phileo. Uh, it's the love of friendship. Now this love both gives and takes. You will know that probably the word Philadelphia here in the United States, is the city of brotherly love. It comes from that word phileo, and it's a mutual affection, a friendly love. It's a common response to those who are likable and lovable. You just enjoy being with them. And this word is found numerous times in the New Testament. We demonstrate this love among friends and family. It's a natural affection. It's wanting to be with somebody. It's having mutual communication, mutual affection. And so then there is agape. It is the love that just 
gives. It is a sacrificial love. It never, never means emotional love. Agape doesn't have anything to do with emotions. And that's kind of hard for us to get used to in our minds because we're so acclimated to using the word love in relationship with how we feel. But this word agape love is not a tingling sensation. It's not sentimental. It's not brotherly love. Agape is unconditional love, which characterizes God himself. Unconditional love, which characterizes God himself. It is the only word used in scripture to describe God. The only word translated love used in scripture to describe God. It is an elevated, pure love. And this love is an act of the will instead of an act of the feelings. The we act, agape love acts out of the will instead of how it feels about something. So it is a love that is not dependent on anything outside itself. It is not affected by the worthiness or unworthiness of the one it loves. It's all in itself. It's God in himself. It is self-sacrifice. You know the verse, God so loved, so agaped the world that he, what? Gave. Gave what? His only son. He gave the greatest gift ever given by anybody. Greatest gift given by anyone for all time. So Jesus stooped down and went to the cross on our behalf, when we were unworthy sinners, when there was nothing in us to love, we couldn't save ourselves. And so in that self-sacrificial agape love, Jesus stepped out in union with his father. So agape is selfless sacrifice. It's God's nature. And it is his attitude toward mankind. And it is his will concerning his children. He wants us to have the same attitude. Now, agape is used frequently in the New Testament. In John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And then in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, he says, a new commandment I give unto you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Let that soak in. Not if you go to the church all the time. Not if you do this and do that. If you just love one another the way God loves, then God says the world is going to know and recognize that we are his disciples. So let me take the liberty to treat this Greek word agape as if it's an English word. And let's uh, help get some understanding from this. So in John chapter 13, there that we just read, I would say, um, love agape one another as I have agaped you, that you also agape one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you agape one another. Now notice he doesn't say if you like one another. If you choose a behavior toward one another, 
that is godlike that matches God's love, that agape that's in us. Let's turn to 1 John. It's almost to the end of the New Testament, but look at 1 John chapter 4 for just a second, and let's read it together. 1 John chapter 4, I'm going to begin in verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Now, let me just go ahead and say this as an aside. I can phileo love you without being saved. I can eros love you without being saved. But I cannot agape love you without being saved. Okay? And so he says, let's love one another for love is from God. Everyone who loves agapes is born of God and knows God. The one who does not Love, not agape, does not know God, for God is agape. That's his character. By this love of God, by this the love of God was manifested in us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, if he loved us in that way, then we also ought to love one another in the same way. Now skip down to verse 16. And we have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love. And the one who abides in love and agape abides in God and God abides in him. But this love, by this, love is perfected, completed, matured with us that we may have confidence in the day of judgment because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, in agape, but perfect agape casts out fear because fear involves punishment and the one who fears is not perfected in agape. We love because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For the one who does not agape his brother whom he has seen cannot agape God more whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have also from him that the one who loves God should love his brother also. So Christ longs to convey this quality of his own life and his character through us. Now, every time you saw the word love there, you can use the word agape. It's God's love. Now, how can we do that? How do we get to that place? Well, we can't just get up in the morning and say, well, today I'm going to love everybody. Can't do it. First thing, something's going to happen. You're going to stump your toe and all of a sudden you're not going to love anybody. So it's not within us. We can't just whip it up. We can't just decide to do it. So where does it come from? How do we get it? When we walk under the control of the Holy Spirit, walking in obedience to the Lord, Dealing with sin, allowing him to govern our thoughts and our priorities, then he produces the fruit of the spirit in us. It comes from him in us. So 
the fruit of the spirit, if we're going to list them, the first fruit of the spirit is guess what? Love, love, agape. The fruit of the spirit is number one, agape. So we don't just make up our minds to have it. We have to yield ourselves to the Spirit of God. We first of all receive it from Him at the moment of salvation when He gives us His Holy Spirit and He imparts that love to us. It is present in us in the Holy Spirit. Romans 5, 5 tells us that God's love, God's agape, has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So the moment we're saved, we get it. The moment we are saved, we receive that agape within us. Now, there may be times when sinful man or unsaved people might on occasion demonstrate behaviors which look like agape. That can happen. But without the Holy Spirit, they're just incidental, imitative behaviors with self-serving motives. Because without the Holy Spirit, without being saved, we are self-serving people. That's one of the ways that God changes us when he saves us. We stop being just self-serving people. Now, that potential then, that power comes within us by the Holy Spirit, not to be self-serving, but to be God-serving. And in being God-serving, we're going to be others-serving. That's one of the things that happens to us. Now, truly, we have to learn to walk that out. We have to learn to live that after we're saved, but it's there. We are not capable of being like God, except that God is present within every believer to perform his ways through us. We cannot do any of that apart from God and apart from the presence of the Holy Spirit. So when we become Christians, agape is born in us. If you're a believer, if you're saved, you've got it. It came with the Holy Spirit. And so it is a part of God's life that is placed in us that it might be expressed through us so that the world will know that the Father has sent the Son. That's one of the main signs that God has given to the world that he is real, that the resurrection and crucifixion and resurrection of Christ is real, that the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is real. We don't have to go around telling everybody that. God says, I'll take care of this. It's his job. So each type of love has its origin with God. Phileo has its origin with God. Eros has its origin with God. But this agape is a special kind. And Eros can be expressed in godly ways. Phileo can be expressed in godly ways. See, before you were saved, you had Eros and Phileo. You could do that. But it was always self-centered. What can I get? How's this going to make me feel? What can I get out of this? But once we're saved, then there are godly boundaries in which we exercise Phileo and Eros. And so God gave us this love. And we can experience those and manifest those in godly ways. But the birth of sin caused God's original plans to become distorted by selfishness. That's what happened in the fall in the garden. You know, Eve says, the Satan tempted her with, 
Look what you will have if you will just eat this fruit. Look what you will get. Look what God's holding out on you. And so she's like, uh-uh. So what'd she do? She made a selfish act. And that sin distorted this us, distorted the godly nature, and it became sin nature. So the godly emotions of Eros and Phileo become self-serving rather than other-serving, which was what God's plan was. So God-serving man in his sinful state is capable of eros and phileo. Okay, you got that? We can have those. But we are not capable, I'm saying it again, we're not capable of agape apart from the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit. So when we are born of God, what? We receive agape. It's there. Now, let's answer the question. What is love? What is it? Holy love is the self-giving character of God being expressed in behavior and attitudes. The self-giving character of God being expressed in behavior and attitudes. Now, the church in Corinth, the Corinthian church to whom, that Paul, to whom Paul was writing this letter, was not walking in the Spirit. It was not under the control of the Holy Spirit. They were selfish. They were self-motivated. They were self-willed. They were doing everything they could to promote themselves, their own. And so... They had their own agendas and they wanted to promote them. They were in control instead of letting the Holy Spirit be in control. And so everyone was doing his own thing for his own good with no regard for anyone else. Didn't matter. Didn't matter what anybody else needed. It was everybody for himself or herself. So there was division and competition and discord disunity, disharmony, jealousy, rebellion that had permeated the church. And you couldn't see agape anywhere in there because it was all about them, what they wanted, what they could get. So the church needed correction about many things. So Paul, under the control of the Holy Spirit, wrote them this letter that we call 1 Corinthians. Dear church, dear Corinthians, you belong to Christ. You are saints. Why are you not acting like it? This is what you're going to need to correct. And so then finally he works up to chapter 13 and he basically says, you know what? The key to your showing Christ to the world is love, is agape. So it was a, it was a church that had he said in the beginning, had all the gifts, had all kinds of resources, but it did not have love. It was inherent in them because they were saved, because Paul said they were saved. He called them saints. So it was there. They just had not been taught, didn't understand it, didn't know how to use it. And so Paul is saying, okay, this is how you're going to have to do this. This is how you're going to have to think. So agape is a word that simply means the ultimate act of self-sacrifice. 
the ultimate act of self-sacrifice. And as believers, you know, whatever we do, we need to have an attitude of self-sacrifice. Others first, God first, others second, self last. Did you ever hear that? Kind of the way it is. And so we can see something of its meaning, the depth of agape, when we look at the fact that Jesus told us to love our enemies. Woo. Love our enemies. He went on to tell us then what it means to love our enemies. He went on and said, do good to those who persecute you. So that is an act of self-sacrifice. It is an act of the will that doesn't really have anything to do with our emotions. Now, we might want to say, well, if I don't feel like it, that means I'm being a hypocrite. No, it doesn't. That means that you are choosing to obey the will of God by doing good to them even if you don't really like them. And in the process of being obedient to the Lord, what are you doing? You are submitting your emotions to the Lord and the Lord's going to deal with your emotions. You know, so many times you think of a dog in, a tail, in his tail. So many times we let our emotions, which are the tail, wag the dog instead of the dog wagging the tail. And so what's going to happen then is once we decide to obey the Lord, once we decide to to submit to doing it his way, a sacrificial way, then our emotions are going to heal. We're going to begin to feel differently about it. And so it is a choice of behavior. It is an act of the will. And as we go through 1 Corinthians 13 and see him give us the characteristics of agape love, not one of them, not one is a feeling. Everyone is a choice of behavior. So to agape somebody, to love somebody with God's love, doesn't mean that I'm going to have a warm and wonderful and happy relationship with them. You know, we've all got those people maybe that have hurt us that we just mm, don't trust, don't really want to be with them. But it doesn't mean that we cannot choose to be kind that we cannot choose to do something good for them, even if it's pray for them. Sometimes that's the most powerful thing we can do. So we submit to those choices. And then Jesus went on and says, do good to those who persecute you, get this, in order that you may be like your Father who is in heaven. Want to be like God? We're going to choose to love sacrificially. We're going to choose the characteristics and the qualities of agape love in our behavior and in our attitudes just because God said so. And he didn't just say so. He empowered us with the Holy Spirit to empower us to do it, to put it in us. So how did God love his enemies? He died on their behalf. We were once his enemies. Before we were saved, we were enemies of God. We were sinners. And while we were yet sinners, he died for us. Do you think that felt good? You'd think it was warm and fuzzy and he got excited about that? Mm -mm. God's love is a totally different kind of love. Agape. God's love. And Paul goes on to tell us, and we'll look at it next week, that when love is absent, 
when agape love is absent, everything else is nothing. You spend some time this week reading 1 Corinthians 13, and we'll start there next week, verse by verse. God bless you. Look forward to seeing you again. 